You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Friday show for you. We're going to go over last night's Nuggets-Lakers Game 2 in Denver. We're going to talk a little bit of baseball and some college football, but it's going to be a lot of NBA talk to start, so we will get to all that momentarily. Let's start with Game 2 last night in Denver. Denver wins it 108-103 over the Lakers. Gosh, there's so much to say, and I'm trying to figure out where to start. I guess I could start with this. You can pretty much, depending on what side you want to defend, if you're a Nuggets fan, you could be like, oh my gosh, we're up two games to none, and we didn't even play that well. And then if you're the Lakers fans who are trying to think optimistically about this, you could say, We're down two games, but both games were within one score with under a minute left. So we just didn't execute down the stretch. They were both winnable games for us. We didn't win it. Denver did what they needed to do, win two games at home. It's kind of like the Golden State Warriors-Sacramento series. Remember, Golden State had a chance to win both of those games in Sacramento in games one and two, and they didn't. But... At the end of those two games, no matter what the score was, no matter how close it was, no matter how big of a chance Golden State had to win, the bottom line was they didn't win, but the ultimate result was the home team did what they needed to do. They defended their home court and won their two home games. If the Lakers win Saturday and Monday, then the Lakers did what they needed to do. So, yes, if you're a Laker fan, you're absolutely disappointed. Last night was a game you probably should have had, and... You can easily say, look at that. We only lost by five, and Anthony Davis really was terrible last night. Again, one great game, 40-10 and 10 in game one, and then last night he puts up an absolute stinker. Yeah, overall, 18 points, 14 boards, but he shot four of 15 from the field. He averaged making one basket a quarter from a guy who had 40 in game one. So you could say, look at our team. AD only had 18 and 14, shot 4 of 15 from the field. D'Angelo Russell was 3 of 8. Jared Vanderbilt, 1 of 2. I mean, we only made 8 three-pointers out of 30. They made 14 of 38. Like, you can point to a bunch of things. You could say we led going into the fourth quarter, and their best shooter just got hot in a six-minute stretch. Jamal Murray hit five three-pointers in the fourth quarter. It was 79-76 Lakers to start the fourth, and the Nuggets hit six three-pointers in the first six minutes of the fourth quarter on a 20-5 run. 18 of the 20 points were on threes. They had only made seven three-pointers in the first three quarters, and then they made six in the first six minutes. That was the ball game. Yeah, the Lakers got it close. The Lakers cut it to, I think, three at one point. Maybe four was the closest they got. No, they got it to three, and then they just had to keep fouling. They kept fouling Jamal Murray, and he made every free throw. Jamal Murray had 23 points in the fourth quarter. So if you're a Laker fan, you can point to that. You could say, you needed Jamal Murray to score 23 points in the fourth quarter to beat us. All I know is the Lakers can win in Denver. They should have taken one of two. They didn't. Now they just have to go home and protect home court. And if they do that, as I said at the beginning of the series, Denver is not going to win every home game in the playoffs. 
These are the first two games that they've played that have even been close. They blew out Minnesota in theirs, and they blew out uh, Phoenix in their three home games, won all of them by double digits. They've beaten the Lakers by six, and they've beaten them by five. So you can't say, oh, my gosh. You know, you can't look at these first two games and be like, Denver's just the better team. They're just – the Lakers have no answer. No, these are one-possession games with a minute left. Lakers didn't execute. Denver did. Lakers – Fell behind by too much in game one. And what happened in game two? They led 53-48 at halftime after giving up 72 points in the first half of game one. And to me, it was like all you had to do was watch the game last night. It was all about effort and rebounding. Remember the first 23 rebounds of the game in game one? 20 of them went to Denver? At the end of the first quarter last night, the Lakers had out-rebounded Denver 16-13. That's effort. That's all it is. Lakers knew, you know, we we really need to win this game. The series isn't over if we lose, but we really would like to steal one of these two games on the road. They didn't. But their effort from the get-go was way better than game one. They held them to 24 points less in the first half in game two than they did in game one. They led 53-48 at halftime. They played hard, and they played defense, and they rebounded. But it's like... What happened, you know, Jamal Murray was having a terrible game. It's not like Jamal Murray was the hot one all game and the Lakers just couldn't stop him. Jamal Murray was terrible for three quarters. Terrible. If they would have lost, he probably would have been the reason. And then all of a sudden the guy hits five three-pointers in the fourth quarter. I mean, a lot of them with a hand in his face. I mean, you got to just chalk it up to good offense. Denver did what they needed to do at home. They won both games. Should the Lakers have probably taken one of those two? Yeah, but they didn't. So now they just have to go home and wins games three and four at home where they have not lost at home this year in the playoffs. So it's not far-fetched to think that this series is still a series. Just because Denver is up 2-0 really doesn't mean much. It means they won the two games they're supposed to win. Now it's the Lakers' turn. They're getting great effort from their bench. I think one guy the Lakers should be disappointed in in the first two games is D'Angelo Russell. He just hasn't played well. I don't know if this style doesn't fit him, but 10 points, three rebounds, five assists, just very average out there. One of five from three-point range. You know, LeBron almost had another triple-double. He was one rebound away from a triple-double, but he didn't play great. Took some really ill-advised threes in the fourth quarter, considering he hadn't hit one all game. He was 0 for 6 from three-point range, but he was 9 for 13 in every other shot that he took. So I know LeBron was going for some hero ball on a couple of those three-pointers because it really would have given the Lakers some momentum. He just didn't hit them. He hasn't been hitting threes in the playoffs at all. I think he's shooting 25% from three-point range in the playoffs. And... You know, I think Denver is happy when LeBron takes threes because every time LeBron takes it to the basket, he either scores or he gets fouled. So um, I, I, I think LeBron will probably ease back on the three-pointers, but you never know. He's on his home court. Maybe he feels more comfortable there because he had a couple games against the Golden State Warriors where he shot great from three-point range at home. So I, I don't think the series is over. I'm sure if you're a Denver fan, you do think it's over because you won the first two games at home, which is what you're supposed to do in that position. If the Lakers had gotten 
beat in games one and game two, both by double digits in Denver, I probably would have felt, and I think most people would have felt, a lot less enthusiastic about them possibly coming back and winning this series. But you lost by five and you lost by six in two very close games. And I think the, you know, the referees, again, fouls were even. Lakers had 19 fouls called against them. Denver had 18. Denver shot 18 free throws. The Lakers shot 26, 23 of 26, 88% from the line, just like they were in game one. That's what was keeping them, you know, kept them in the lead. It was a six-minute stretch to start the fourth quarter. That's where the Lakers lost. The Lakers dominated 42 of the 48 minutes of this game. But they got outscored 20-5 to in the first six minutes of the fourth quarter, and 18 of those were giving up six three-pointers. <laughs> Just for all, you know, for a team that was hitting nothing all game, they hit six in six minutes. And it was like an onslaught, and the Lakers couldn't respond. And even after that, they came back and they cut it to three. So this is not ideal for Laker fans. It's your Denver. You know, Jokic had another great game, but he had a he had another triple. Do- I mean, to point out that Nikola Jokic had a triple double is like pointing out that the sky is blue because he handles the ball so much, and he's such an integral part of their offense. It's almost impossible for him not to get a triple-double. And the only way he wouldn't get a triple-double is if his teammates just kept missing and he couldn't get to double digits and assists because he's going to get double-digit points and rebounds every game just by standing out there. Um, you know. But he didn't shoot well. He was 9 of 21 from the field. LeBron was 9 of 19, so LeBron shot better than Jokic did. You know, Jokic had 23 points, 17 rebounds, 12 assists. That's a standard game. That's the type of game you got to hold him to, and they did. The problem was Jamal Murray had 37, and 23 of them were in the final quarter. So that was the difference of the game, first six minutes of the fourth quarter. Everything else the Lakers did right. Played defense. They played hard. They rebounded. But I can tell you this right now. Anthony Davis is going to have a monster game three, and I can pencil in. Yeah, I, you know, I always say there's no guarantees in sports. There isn't. Lakers should win game three. Uh, as coming off this loss and the way they played and the way Anthony Davis played, we already know what Anthony Davis's MO is. Coming off a piss-poor game like he did last night, you know, with 18 points on 4 of 15 shooting, how many bunnies did he miss in the lane? He's going to have a 30-point, 15-rebound game minimum uh, come Saturday night. So they need to get those two games at home. I think... I think game three is a foregone conclusion. I'm not going to bet it, but I just – they can't fall behind 3-0. They know that. So it's a must win for them. I think they win Saturday night. I think they win Saturday night probably by double digits. Game four is going to be the big one because then it's like, okay, we've got to come back two days later again and and play them. And look, the Nuggets lost – the Nuggets looked great in games one and two against the Phoenix Suns. Blew them out both times. Double-digit wins. And then they went on the road to Phoenix – who literally has two players on their team, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and they lost both of those. They had to go back to Denver 2-2. I'd say the Lakers are a better team than Phoenix, so the Lakers should win these two home games. But as I've said all series since it started, I don't think Denver's winning every home game in the playoffs. They're going to lose one. Yeah, it would have been nice to take one of these two, but I think Lakers win game five or game seven in, in Denver. I still am picking the Lakers to win this series. 
I know that sounds crazy. It might sound like I'm a homer, but I've I haven't seen anything in this series that made me go, "Whoa. I miscalculated Denver. I they are they are the superior team." No, they're not. These two teams are about even and Denver defended their home court. That's the way I look at it. With a 5-point win and a 6-point win at home, I, I can't sit here and say, "Oh my gosh, Lakers are in serious trouble. They have no answers for this Denver team." I felt that way about Phoenix because Phoenix just didn't have enough players. They didn't have enough depth. The Lakers are getting great games from Austin Reeves in the first two games, great games from Rui Hachimura in the first two games. You know, I'm. they have more depth. And D'Angelo Russell could go off next game. Dennis Schroeder could go off next game. It's just they've got more depth than Phoenix did. So I expect the Lakers to win games three and four. And then we'll just revisit this come game five. And if they don't win game five, then obviously they have to win game six at home. Uh, But I really think the Lakers are going to win a road game in this series. Over in the Eastern Conference, game two tonight in Boston, Miami up 1-0 in that series. And remember the statistic that I read to you, I think it was the end of last week. I said, we've only got three of these left. And it is game one home losers in game two have won every game by double digits in the playoffs. So it's a blind bet tonight. you you got to bet the Boston Celtics. I think the line is eight. Maybe it's eight and a half, depending on where you shop. you got to bet the Celtics because that system play, that trend hasn't lost in the playoffs yet this season. So keep it in mind. There's only one other time it can happen, and that's in the NBA Finals. If Denver gets there, they host – uh, whoever, Boston or Miami, if, you know, it all depends on the seating. If Boston plays the Lakers, they would host game one. And then we'd have to see if they lose game one. But as far as Miami and Boston, I didn't even realize this, even though it's right there in front of our faces. Miami has won all three game ones on the road in the playoffs this year. That's just, I mean, they won game one in Milwaukee. They won game one in uh not Philly. Who'd they play in round two? The Knicks. They won game one in New York, in Madison Square Garden, and they won game one in Boston on the road. Like, we keep trying to find ways to tell everybody that Milwaukee, that Miami is doing this with smoke and mirrors, and they're just, they're not really that good, and they're just somehow pulling these No, they are very good. They've proven they can win on the road in the playoffs. They're 9-3 and three over. They only lost three games all playoffs, and we keep finding reasons to shit on them. They're good. I think they're going to win this series. And it had nothing to do with game one's win in Boston. To me, I just don't think they're losing to Boston two years in a row in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think they have last year's sour taste in their mouth, and they're going to win. I don't care about the seeding. The seeding never mattered to me. I cannot believe I didn't jump on that at the beginning of the series. Boston minus 550 to win the series. That was a disgusting line when last year they were minus 160 to win the series. And they're a worse team this year. And Miami's at least as good as last year's team, if not better, at least playing better right now. So dumb of me not to jump on that. But game two tonight, you have to bet Boston. I expect Boston to win probably fairly easily just because they can't fall behind 2-0 at home and losing both of those games at home. But Miami, in the in the games Miami has lost, in the three games they have lost in the playoffs, I think only one of them was a blowout. 
They lost two close games, fairly close games to the Knicks, like under 10 points. The game two in Milwaukee after Milwaukee dropped game one at home, the game two where they didn't have Giannis, they blew out Miami. That's the only time Miami has had a horrible loss in the playoffs. But you got to bet the system, and you got to bet that the home team that lost game one knows they can't lose game two. So I'd go with Boston tonight. I was actually going to wait until the hockey game ended tonight before I started recording the sports daily. But as we sit here, as I'm recording this, Florida and Carolina in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals are literally in the third overtime with still five minutes left. I'm just like, I have no idea when these teams are scoring. You know, there's no there's no three-on-three three in overtime in playoff hockey. There's no shootout. It is sudden death. We're going to keep playing 20-minute periods until somebody scores. Well, here they are, as I'm still recording this, in the third overtime, five minutes left. So I just started recording tonight. Game one, Western Conference Finals, Dallas in Las Vegas against the Golden Knights. Again, I want the Stars to win. I'm not going to sit here and break down game one and then game two. It's just we know the Dallas Stars have a great goalie, and when he's on, they win. When he's not, they lose. Real hard analysis there, I know, but it's frankly the way it goes for them. What I do know, based on the first two rounds, is when they score first, they also win. They've played 13 games in the playoffs. When they the, the team that has scored first in the Dallas Stars series, first two series, has won 11 of the 13 games. And the two times that Dallas scored first and lost were the only two times there was ever a lead change in any of the 13 games either. So just got to keep an eye on that. They come out strong. They jump out to a one nothing lead. Chances are they're going to win. It's just the way it's been. But they are on the road. It's the first series they've had to start out on the road. But you know my thoughts about hockey road games. doesn't matter who's homer away in, in hockey. We've seen it all throughout the playoffs. I don't know what the statistic was, but remember when we were 50 games into the playoffs, the road team had won 33 and home team had only won 17, something ridiculous like that. I don't think it's changed much. There's been a lot of road wins since then, so um, maybe I can find out the number. But, yeah, as we're recording this, <laughs> game's still going on in Carolina. Now three and a half minutes left in the third overtime. Still 0-0. Those guys must be dead tired. One final thing uh, that I want to read. Um, I'm not going to do the baseball. Save that for um, save that for Monday. wanted to end with this. Kirk Herbstreet, which is the main analyst for college football on ESPN and ABC, former quarterback at Ohio State, had some choice words for the Ohio State fans. And I, and I couldn't agree with him more because Ohio State fans are starting to lose their marbles because, because they've lost to Michigan two years in a row they are getting very impatient and they're so upset and they want Ryan Day fired. Not everybody, but there is a large, not a large, a, a faction of fans that just aren't happy with Ryan Day. They're not happy with 45 and six and three of the four years he's made it to the college football playoff. Like when your fan base is upset at that, there's like no winning anymore in college football. At least he's giving you a chance. 
Ohio State fans, get a grip. You've got a great coach. Yes, you've lost to Michigan two years in a row. Your defense has stunk both years. At least in that game it did. Yeah, it's not ideal. But you also remember, didn't you beat them 14 years in a row recently? Like, it's how quickly we forget. But yeah, Ryan Day, as your head coach in four seasons, is 45-6. and He's almost averaging 12 wins a year. And he's made it to the playoffs three of the four years. You can't win a national championship unless you at least get to the playoff. And he's gotten there. That's all you can ask for. You're not going to win it every year. It's just not going to happen. you got to understand that. And Kirk Herbstreit basically called that faction of fans, the Ohio State fans, jackasses. And Kirk Herbstreit has had a history with Ohio State fans because – As we know, not only is the lead commentator on ABC and ESPN College Football, he's also on College Game Day. And again, anytime he made a critical remark about Ohio State or said something that was remotely negative, guy was getting death threats. He had to move his family to Nashville, out of Columbus. He's a kid who grew up in Ohio, quarterbacked an Ohio State team, I believe in the Rose Bowl. And he had to move his family out of Ohio because of the harassment he was getting. And now he lives in Nashville. And he said, look, I grew up Ohio State fan, grew up a Cavs fan, grew up a Cincinnati Reds fan, and I had to leave because it was getting out of control. And that is ridiculous. I know college football fan bases are some of the looniest out there. But when you take it to that level, that's a bit much. He's not wrong. You guys are out of your freaking mind if you want Ryan Day fired. 45-6, and six, and he's made the playoff three of the four years he's been the head coach. If that's not good enough for you, then nothing will be. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcasts. Much appreciated. I hope you have a great sports weekend. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.